Amen. Open your Bibles tonight to Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews chapter number one. A whole lot of progress going on around here on every front. And uh, you could see, I was hoping the, the storefront uh, entrance would be complete, but uh, I had some issues, got to do that thing right, so hopefully by Sunday he'll have it finished off. And then on the uh, children's wing, all of the doors finally arrived. <laughs> and so we got those offloaded, and we're working with our installer to get those hung. And uh, so praise God, and all of that has been seed money uh, that has been sown above and beyond. We didn't go to the bank for that, and uh, we won't be paying interest on that. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, so we're just so very grateful. And everyone, like my daughter said, you've sown into that repeatedly. You got a harvest coming. Amen. I've got a harvest coming and uh, am excited about it. Praise God. Well, I'm uh, going to be unapologetically teaching out of my spiritual father's book tonight on angels. He's got a workbook called Angels on Earth. Uh, They're waiting on you. We have some of these workbooks in the bookstore if you'd like to pick up your own copy. And of course, Dr. Jacobs will be with us beginning a series of meetings next Friday night. And not this Friday, the next one. Uh, after that. So I know we interpret next Friday kind of different. So anyway, uh, <laughs> and so the 23rd, and uh, you want to make uh, plans to be here. But you know, last week the Lord uh, put it on my heart to talk to us about the angels And it just seemed good to me to talk some more tonight about the angels. And so open up your Bibles tonight to Hebrews chapter number 1. Hebrews 1. And this is where we started last week. And uh, we'll start there again. Hebrews 1. And we we look to the you, Father. We come to you, Father. And we thank you that you are uh, our very own heavenly Father. We're not orphans. Jesus said, I'll not leave you orphaned. I'll not leave you alone. God, we've been brought into a heavenly family. We thank you that we're never without you. We're never without the Son. And we thank you for the abiding Holy Spirit who has come to indwell us, to come upon us in power. And Father God, He's also here as our great teacher and guide. And he, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to unveil the word to us on this wonderful subject. Praise God to help us to be balanced Uh, yet very biblical in our understanding about your intentions with us in the benefit of the angels that you've assigned to our lives and that are here on the earth to work with us and to advance the mission of the church. And so, Father, we thank you for that, that you're helping me to articulate and to teach. And, Father, you're helping them to lay hold, comprehend, and act on what's being given. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13, uh, the Bible says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make uh, thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all, speaking about the angels, right? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? You need to let your mind be open to that. Amen. Get, let your heart get a hold of that, what he's saying. Notice it says, first of all, that all of the angels are ministering spirits. That tells us the angels have ministries. If they're ministers, they have ministries. And that makes sense to me, right? And that doesn't mean they're all the same, that they all have the same function, because they don't. That's true of uh, human ministers. We're all ministers, but we're not, we don't have the same anointing on us. We don't have the same calling. We have different functions. The apostles' functions different than the teacher or the, uh, or the pastor, so forth and so on, right? But we know here something about that these are spirits that have ministries and that they are sent forth. So there are angels on assignment. They've been sent forth by God to minister. Now notice it doesn't say to them, although an angel could minister to us, Angels are here tonight, right? Uh, you brought yours, I brought mine, and then you know who else? Who knows what other uh, ministering spirits uh, embody the the host of the angels that are with us tonight? I just believe that if uh, if an angel's needed to get done God's plan in a service, that they're here. Amen. And we ought to not be you know overly eager to see one. I've never seen one. We've got little kids in my church that have seen them. 
uh, but I've never seen them. That's fine. I don't need to see them to be able to benefit from them. Don't get weird because we're talking about this subject. Amen. I've never seen the Holy Ghost, but I benefit from him as a person and his abiding presence. I've never seen the Father, <laughs> right? Neither of you. And I haven't seen the Lord Jesus. I'm going to someday. Amen. And yet I have a personal living relationship with him just like you do. Amen. So again, we're noticing, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Well, of course, that's you and that's me. Now, as I told you last week, the word minister means serve, right? So a minister is a servant. And uh, angels are servants. And who have they been sent to serve? This is what you got to get a hold of. Amen. We're the heirs of salvation, so they're here to minister for us. That's, you just got to just break it down to the most common sense thing. What's that telling you? They'll do things for you. Remember I talked about the butler that we had assigned to us at the hotel, the St. Regis in uh, the ministry team there. And he, there, that butler's entire mission, the purpose of his existence, the reason he gets a paycheck is he is there to serve others. Amen. That's his only purpose. And so these ministers, these now that you know there's different classes of angels. There's angels in heaven. There are four specific creatures that are very uniquely described, eyes all around, go, you know they can look all different directions and they fly around the throne of God day and night crying holy holy holy. And so there are different classes of angels, but we're talking about these ones that have been sent uh, into the earth as serving spirits. Let me just remind you of something. The God's Word translation says they are spirits sent to serve. All right? I mean, translations of the Bible are bringing this out. It's not my cockamamie idea. Right? <laughs> right? The Weymouth translation says that they have been sent to render service for the benefit of those who are saved. Thank God for that. The Amplified uh, echoes that same sentiment. They've been sent for the assistance of. The Weiss translation says they've been sent to render service for. For. Amen. Hallelujah. When was the last time you had your angel do something for you? Amen. So this is the kind of thing that we're wanting to talk about. So tonight what I want us to talk about, if you remember, if you were not with us last week, I taught you that uh, there is such a thing as personal angels. Personal angels. And what I mean by that is, is that I have my own personal angel that God assigned to my life. And he, I, I've had that angel in my life since I was born. You remember the scripture in Matthew? Where Jesus said, you better be careful how you treat all these little kids. Because they're angels. They're angels. Always behold the face of their father in the spirit realm. Amen. So every time a new human being, saved or unsaved, is born into the earth, an angel, and I believe a familiar spirit, is also assigned. I don't have time to teach you on that too. Um, but that's why they're called familiar spirits. They're familiar with you. Why is that? Because they follow you around. They're just hanging around, learning you, taking notes about you, finding out what your buttons are. But we're talking about on the righteous side, on the God side, isn't it, doesn't it thrill you to know that God has assigned a supernatural angel? <laughs> they never get tired. They never grow weak. They can travel at inconceivable speeds. They can do supernatural things. They can fly through walls. One angel in the Old Testament in one night killed 189,000 enemy soldiers. Just one. Hallelujah. And so you have to go back and get there's uh, uh, ample scriptures in the Old and New Testament. Jesus had an angel. That he, the, it's Jesus' personal angel that dictated the book of Revelation to John. You can read about that. Amen. Jacob, the patriarch, had an angel that redeemed him from evil all his life long. That angel was with him, keeping him out of trouble. 
Amen. You know, I was, uh, some of you know this, but uh, I was uh, 15 and a half and disobeying my parents. And um, my mom's instruction to stay home, but I didn't. I got in the car with somebody else, went to go visit my friends. And we were racing home to get home before she got back from work, so I didn't get caught. And uh, in that little uh, Ford Escort, uh, we were on a dirt gravel road, and we came over a little berm, and on the other side of that little berm on the gravel road, uh, gravel had gotten, it had pooled there. And so when the car hit that, it began to fishtail. For about a half a mile, uh, he was trying to, the driver, I was in the passenger seat, and the kid was 16, 16 and a half, my friend Brian. And uh, no seatbelt, I didn't have seatbelt, I don't think he did either. And, uh, but eventually, he, he got to speed down to around 55. Uh, but he overcorrected and put us head nose into the ditch. And when he did, that, we, it just the car went from bumper up, just like that, just like a catapult, and shot us forward. And the car flipped end over end twice, side over side twice, and landed on its tires. I had no seatbelt on. So you, I could, you can imagine what the laws of physics say is going to happen to you. And I remember distinctly, it's like life slowed down into slow motion. And my rear end began to come out of that chair, and I'm heading right for the windshield. When all of a sudden I felt an invisible hand press me in my chest back into that chair. And he held me there through the entire duration of that accident. And when we came to a sudden stop, we were both laughing. Not because we thought it was funny, but there was just such a peace that came when those beings came in and uh, rescued my life and Brian's too. We walked away from that accident totally de delivered, totally preserved. Amen. Unhurt, unharmed, and it's just totally the mercy of God because I wasn't even living for Him at the time. Yet what was that? That defies reason. That defies the natural. What was that? Well, that was that angel that's been assigned to me that's keeping me on the planet in His mercy because God knew one of these days I'm going to get it figured out. <laughs> Uh, amen. And I'm just so grateful. And I know so many of you have similar stories that you could tell about how you were in imminent danger. Uh, different things have marvelous things. I'll tell you some more things tonight, time willing. And uh, so, but thank God, we want to not be ignorant of any Bible benefit. Amen. Psalms 103, remember you don't have to go there, but Psalm 103 verse 2, David said in that famous psalm, Bless the Lord, O my soul, right? Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Right? Uh, it's becoming more, more of a favorite translation for me. The translation of that verse that says, not one of His benefits. In other words, you're not supposed to come into the knowledge and begin to receive of nine out of ten of the benefits. No, get all ten of them. Amen? Amen. Amen? And the way we fall short and we don't get to fully experience the benefit of any, anything that God has for us is to be ignorant of it. The more knowledge we have, the more understanding we have, the more rooted in the Word we have on that subject, the more faith we're going to have and the more pop we're going to get. Some people, they, they've gotten a little bit of knowledge that it's God's will to heal their body when they get sick. But the more you, more you study and the more you get that planted in your heart, the more skillful you're going to be, the easier it's going to be for you to receive. Hello? Amen. The benefit of the angels is no different. Amen. You know, it's been said, uh, and it's true, you could, you could study it in, in, in times of great change. Now, theologically, I'm a dispensationalist. Don't trip over that. I know that's a big word. But that just means someone who believes that uh, God works in time frames. God works in time frames. You know, there's a time frame in the Word of God. There's got a start and an end called the dispensation of the law. And during that time frame, God was dealing with the Jews and God's dealing with humanity according to that framework, the law. But then you've got Jesus who fulfilled the law. He didn't do away with it, but He fulfilled it. Amen. And ushered us into a new time frame that's got different names the church age, the dispensation of grace, or the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. And that time frame's got a definite end. That definite end is the trumpet blasting and the rapture of the church. That will end the time frame that we're in now. 
It could happen tonight. I mean, we're at the end of this thing. But then a new time frame's going to begin. And it's got a bookend, start and stop. Seven year tribulation. You see what I mean? And uh, you could see in the Bible, if you study carefully, that at the beginning and the ending of a dispensation, there's a dramatic increase in angelic activity. Amen. There's also a great increase in demonic activity. You notice at the beginning of Jesus' entrance into the earth, how the devil stirred up Herod and all kinds of things to kill babies and to do everything the devil, right, to, to destroy Jesus, to keep him full, full, from fulfilling. But we also see a dramatic amount of activity of angels helping, uh, right, the angels that helped Joseph and Mary to avoid. Right? Those angels protected them. And that angel came to Joseph in a dream one night and said, uh, Herod seeks to kill the child. Flee to Egypt. And then some years later when Herod had died and the threat had ended, that angel showed up again and told uh, Joseph, it's okay to bring Jesus back into the land. So see, Joseph, uh, you know, how many of you know that's kind of a heavyweight assignment to steward the Messiah through his infancy? <laughs> But God didn't leave him alone in that. They had the benefit of the angels. Abraham tapped into the benefit of the angels in his life. Anyway, what I'm saying is, you should too. You know, for most of us, there's been big portions of our life where our personal angel's been twiddling, our th twiddling his thumbs like the butler that I never called, wishing he could get involved. But... but <laughs> They're limited because of our lack of knowledge and understanding. Amen. So we want to talk tonight about what angels do. What do angels do? What could we expect them to do? In 1983, Dr. Jacobs was about to preach, and he was going to begin a, a weekend, I think, seminar on the subject of angels. And they had him in a little green room before the service. And they said, you just come in here. This is where we record our radio program and and pray and get quiet. We're going to start praise and worship. Whenever you get ready, Dr. Jacobs, you just come on out and take the service. And so he was in this little room praying. He said it was nothing more than a big, you know, a little bit bigger than a uh, walk-in closet. And he was in there on his knees praying. And all of a sudden, the walls went, disappeared. And he's in this massive room. And uh, the room lit up with the glory of God. And all around him was this innumerable company of angels. And... Uh, one of the angels stepped out that was nearby him and made this motion to the rest of his, you know, the angels with him and said, we've desired to be involved with the... Oh, no, that's not what he said. He said, we're excited, Michael, that you're teaching about us for we've desired to be involved in the body of Christ and they won't let us. Waved his hand back, stepped back, and, and that whole thing disappeared, and he's left in that room. And he said he didn't really catch it for months, what it was being said, but something bothered him about that. He said, you know, you'd think you'd have an experience like that and be all just overjoyed with ecstasy, but he was grieved. He's trying to figure out, what did he mean? What did that angel mean? We've desired to be in, he didn't say to be a part of. Angels are not the body of Christ. We are, redeemed people are. But notice the angel said, we've desired to be involved with the body of Christ and they, the body of Christ, won't let us. Well, praise God, I want to let the ministering spirits to be involved in the body of Christ to whatever degree they can, to whatever degree is biblical. Amen. So... Uh, we've talked about some of this already, but first of all, go to Psalm 34. Are you interested in this subject at all? Amen. Now, I haven't talked to Dad, but if Dad gets here next Friday night and starts talking about angels, you just act like you're real excited about it. Amen. <laughs> because he's got a whole lot more revelation about it than I do. Uh, amen. Uh, praise God. Uh, Psalm 34 in verse 7, one of the first things, and this is more known to the body of Christ, is that angels protect and defend us. Angels have a role in protecting and defending us. Proverbs 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear him 
and delivers them. Amen. So angels surround about who? People that fear God. So how can we get these angels more involved with us? Well, evidently, as we fear God, as we reverence God, the angels are able to get involved with us. So the more reverence, the more honor, the more serious we are, the more dedicated we are in our walk with God, evidently, according to this verse, uh, they're going to be able to get involved with us more. Notice they not only surround us, encompass us about, but they deliver. They deliver us. Look at Psalm 35 with me. Notice this, it says, David said, Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me, and fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me, saith, Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind. How many of you know that means nothing? Now notice this. And let the angel of the Lord chase them. <laughs> let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. Now you've got to understand that primarily he's not talking about people. We're talking, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But the angels will not only defend us like they did me, protect me like he did in those car accidents, right? But in the realm of the spirit. You know, it's, it's, the, it's demonic spirits that stir up people to persecute you. It's demonic spirits in, in that unseen realm that will motivate and stir up people to lie about you and, and seek after you and try to become your enemy. But isn't it good to know that the angel assigned to my life, if I live in dedication to God and fear towards God, that angel surrounds me. He's with me everywhere. Amen. And that angel is an enemy to my enemies. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. I love to know that God will be an enemy to my enemies. I am for you, God said, not against you. And we're not diminishing God's personal role, but the angels are part of the power of God. The angels are part of His contingency. He's the captain of the heavenly host, and He's assigned that being to our life. Amen. And that, that angel that's with you will chase away... Uh, dark and demonic powers that are trying to influence people to, to harm you or to hurt you. Or that come at, notice it says that uh, they're coming after my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. Well, in that unseen realm, the, your angel will get involved to defend you from that, to chase that off. And the more you believe it, the more you talk it, the more they'll do it for you. Because angels are voice activated. You understand that, right? Dr. Jacobs tells a story about, you know, right after he bought his 7 Series BMW, that uh, he, part, he pulled up in a stoplight to another group of guys that were also in a, younger guys that were also in a new uh, 7 Series BMW, and they were kicking against the dash, punching it, screaming at that thing, evidently trying to get the music to play. And he just went over, he didn't roll the window down, but he just said, hey, dummy. Their voice activated. You got to talk to it. To get that car to play music, you had to talk to it. <laughs> Amen. You remember that verse in Psalms? It's Psalm 103, verse 20. Write it down. Praise God. Bless the Lord, you His angels who excel in strength, giving heed to the voice of God's Word. Angels respond to the voice of God's Word. I mean, you know, I don't hear anything. Y'all hear anything? How does God's Word get a voice? When you put it in your mouth, you personalize the Word of God in your life, and your angel responds to the voice when you give voice to God's Word. Hallelujah. 
So you see, it would just be good to walk around and just confess, thank God I'm, I have God the Father, I've got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me, but there are angels around me, encamped around me. Amen. They're chasing off every demonic power. They defend me and they protect me from all evil. The angels bear me up in their hands, Psalm 9111. Lest, how, how, to what degree? Well, that you wouldn't even dash your foot against a stone. You wouldn't even scuff your shoe on the concrete. Because those angels are doing their thing. Amen. I don't know if, I think it was Pastor John Hagee one time. He's a pretty bold preacher, still is. And uh, that someone that didn't like him got in the sanctuary and was running up the aisle with a gun. And discharged five or six rounds point blank range ahead of him. They all missed, fell short of the target. <laughs> because the angels got involved. Angels protect us. And they defend us. In 2006, I had my one opportunity so far in my life to go to the Holy Land, to go to Israel. My dad and I went. And one of the uh, places that we went, we went up to the Golan Heights. And up on top of the Golan Heights, you know, you can, you can look down uh, at the nation of Syria, the Great Valley, and, and see the borderland there. And there are still abandoned and burned out tanks from the 1967 Six-Day War. And if you've ever done any study on the Six-Day War, uh, it was Israel against four Arab nations. Uh, Egypt, Syria, Lebanon, and Jordan. Uh, they had amassed those four nations, almost 500,000 troops. Israel had about 286,000, 80% of which were citizen reservists. The enemy had over 1,000 tanks to Israel's 300 tanks. It, it was going to be a uh, bloodbath. In the natural, they expected it to be a bloodbath. But not only did the war end in six days with a dramatic victory, Israel was able to capture Jerusalem and the Golan Heights. Well, anyway, we went up onto the Golan Heights. And in the six-day war, that was not Israeli territory. That was a Syrian position. And they had many, many tanks. And, and I remember the tour guide telling me a story about a platoon that was, uh, they didn't have a lot of equipment and they were kind of holding the line up there trying to take that fortified high ground from the Syrians. And there were just, they just had men with uh, small arms fire. And many of them were dead or wounded. But they were able to take that. And all of a sudden, the Israeli soldiers were firing at the enemy and they would look over and there's an, a being that looked like a man in bright white who also had, that was firing with them. And the whole hill filled up with them like that. Let, let me read to you some, uh, and this isn't some, uh, I, I read four or five different websites of testimonies and they all shared the same stories. And uh, so one very famous case happened in 1958 when the Israel Defense Force, which is the IDF, went into the Golan Heights to fight the Syrian army. And a man from the IDF, Israel, got run over by a tank and he was seriously wounded. I would imagine so. And the Syrian soldiers saw this man lying helpless on the battlefield, so they pulled out their guns as if they were going to shoot him. But all of a sudden, they just started to run away. And these Syrian soldiers later stated that they saw thousands of angels surround this man. <laughs> About at that exact time, God heard an audible voice saying to the man, I'm not finished with you yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is a different instance. This happened in 1973. A lone Israeli soldier took an entire Egyptian patrol all by himself. And when they asked the Egyptian commander why he and his men gave themselves up to one lone soldier, he replied, one soldier? No, there were thousands of them. <laughs> he said, when we marched into Israeli territory, all these beings disappeared. Back to the Six-Day War. One day, two Israeli soldiers were on patrol when they saw in the distance an Egyptian half-track vehicle equipped with a mounted machine gun and filled with soldiers heading right towards two Israeli soldiers. 
These two soldiers had nowhere to hide, so they had no other option but to stand their ground the best they could. But these Egyptians never attacked, and their half-track just stopped. So the two Israelis approached the vehicle, and they saw 18 soldiers cowering in fear. These men were begging for mercy and gave up, surrendered. So the two Israelis captured these 18 men. When they were later asked, why didn't you shoot? They replied they were about to attack, but then they were struck with fear and their bodies froze. They became paralyzed and could barely hold on to their weapons. There is absolutely no explanation for these two soldiers able to capture the Egyptians. God must have been with them. (laughs) Hallelujah. And uh, so do you get my point? Now in the book of Daniel, uh, chapter, you don't have to go there, but chapter 6, angels are referred to as watchers. Watchers sent from heaven. And the Hebrew word there for watchers means guardian. That's where the word guardian angel comes from. And uh, a guardian is someone who has the care of a person or the property of another. They are a protector, one to protect from danger and to preserve. Amen. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, it says, when he came up out, the king said, Did you make it? Are you okay? Did your God deliver you? And he said, yes, the Lord sent His angel who shut the mouth of the lion. I love how Dr. Jacobs tells that, right? He just sees Daniel up against the wall and the lion's coming down. And he just, angel's got one little kitty by the throat up against the wall. Says, no, no, it's simmer down, right? Something like that. Right? And, And Daniel spent the night. Because that angel, now that angel didn't do that when the other two enemies of Daniel that trapped him to get him thrown in there, when they were thrown in there, you know the lions were hungry. The Bible says they were dead before their bodies hit the ground. Well, how come their angels didn't defend them? Serving the wrong God. Living life on the wrong side. Amen. Praise God. And aren't you glad And you get in a tight spot? That somebody you're preaching along and somebody shoots a gun at you. That thing doesn't have to win. Those angels are like the guy in the matrix and the bullets just go whoop and fall to the ground. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let's look at something else that angels can do for us. Turn to Daniel chapter 10. You learning anything? Daniel, I want to just either remind you of, and really I haven't done a lot of teaching on the subject of angels since I've been pastoring here. Uh, praise God. Uh, but we want to we keep this in your thinking. Because, you know, we're living in the last days. There's a tremendous increase of demonic activity in the earth. But God's countering that with angelic activity. Amen. Praise God. All right. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, verse 18. What do angels do? Well, it says, Then there came again, uh, and talking about an angel, well, let me just read it. Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man. And he what? He strengthened me. Let's, read, let's get back and read verse 17, give you a little more context. For how can the servant of this, my Lord, talk with this, my Lord? For as for me straightway, there remained no strength in me. Daniel's having this supernatural experience. Gabriel appears to him, and he he just hit the dirt and lost all physical strength. It's what we call people slain in the Spirit. Bam, they're just down. Amen. Notice it says there remained no more strength in Daniel. Then there came again and touched me. One like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. And said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto you. Be strong, yes, be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let, the Lord, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Now, he's using the word Lord here, but this is not Jesus. This is the archangel Gabriel showing up. And evidently, he's a pretty awesome being to behold. 
You know, the vast majority of the time when an angel appears to a human being, the first things they say is fear not. Why? Because they're intimidating. <laughs> they're intimidating to behold. Apparently, I've never seen one. Doctor has, I haven't. Amen. And, uh, but what did this angel do? Yeah, it touched him. So the angel touched him. And then it says, spoke to him. And through the angel's touch and words, Daniel was strengthened. So an angel could, is it possible? That if we're running a race, and we're, whatever, whatever's going on, we get real weak. That an angel could touch you. And strengthen you. Go over to uh, the book of Mark, chapter 1. Praise the Lord. This is interesting to me. <clears throat> Glory to God. Now don't leave here going, angel, touch me, touch me. Don't do stuff like that. Just have faith in God. Go about your good business. Amen. Know what's available to you. Amen. But again, and you remember, angels are not there to have coffee with you, to have afternoon tea, to socialize with you, to talk about the paranormal. I'm not raising you up to be strange and to be weird. Amen. Mark 1.13. Uh, praise God. Mark 1.13. Actually, verse 12.2. And immediately the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. And He was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts. And the what? What'd they do? They ministered to Him. And it doesn't really tell us exactly how they ministered, what that looked like, but if you were contending with the devil for 40 days and nights, you might be emotionally drained. You, could be, you haven't eaten in 40 days. Right? But notice Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, He didn't go, when that angel tried to minister to Him, He didn't go, get away from me. Don't you know who I am? I don't need your help. No, did Jesus receive and benefit from the help of the angels that God sent Him? He did. We won't go there for time's sake, but in Matthew 22... Uh, there at the other time that Jesus was in His most intense trial, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the, just hours before His arrest and betrayal, it says an angel came and touched Jesus and strengthened Him. All I'm saying, Father, is I'm a candidate. If I ever needed divine strength that an angel could bring me, bring it on. I will take it. I'm not going to say no to it. If Jesus needed it in His most trying times to fulfill the will of God. Might we need it? Come on, might we need the help of these divine creatures? Amen. All right, what do angels do? The third thing that angels do is that they can deliver directions or messages to us with an asterisk. Put this down. Angels don't preach. Angels don't preach the gospel. You hear that on live stream? You know, I don't be criticized like everybody else. You know, angels don't preach. Men preach the gospel. But it's, it's absolutely clear over and over and over again, angels can show up and deliver a message from God. So an angel showed up, two of them, to Lot, saying, we are here to investigate for the Father the cry we hear, the rumor we hear about the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if it's true, we're here to destroy the city. Get out. And of course, he drug his feet, Lot did trying to figure out where he wanted to go, right? And then all the, the homosexuals tried to, the Sodomites tried to, you know, take those angels and, and Lot wouldn't let them out, offered his virgin daughters up. I mean, golly, that's just perverse. But the angels protected. You know, uh, they were pressing in on the outside of Lot's door and those angels struck all those people with blindness. See, they defend. But they came with a message. And they said, we, we cannot destroy the city until you're safely away. Right? So there's a message that an angel came. I already told you about the angel that came to help Joseph get to Egypt. It's okay to come out of Egypt, come back into the land. Do you remember that uh, Cornelius, 
in Acts chapter 10 was praying. He was a devout man. He was seeking God. He gave alms to the poor. He regarded God, but he wasn't saved. But it was God's will for him to get saved. But angels don't preach. But as he's praying, an angel showed up and said, Send men to Joppa. Send men to Joppa. Seek after a man named Simon. Bid for him to come. He will tell you words that you need to hear. So the angel didn't preach the gospel to Cornelius, but he told him who to get, where he was, what guy to get to come to hear. So that angel showed up and gave him a message. Again, should you be praying to get messages from God through angels? No. But it's just part of the equipment, part of the assignment that if it's needed, if that's for you, then God will do that. Gabriel, we just read in Daniel 10, why was he there? Because Daniel had been praying about his nation and about the, Dan, uh, the nation of Israel being restored to their land because he found that in the book of Jeremiah. And God sent Gabriel down there to give him a message and to reveal to him not only what was going to happen to their land, that they would be brought back into the land, but he revealed to them kingdoms that would rise and fall after that. Amen. Praise God. So we see that. Hallelujah. Go to Genesis 24. Genesis 24. We're talking about what do angels do. Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, I love this one. Angels will get involved with your prosperity. <laughs> One of my favorite messages doctor preaches on angels is angels and money. You ought, to, you ought to seek out that disc or get the whole set. I've got it in my archive. And uh, angels will get involved with your prosperity. Angels chapter, or not angels, Genesis chapter 24. Now Abraham is at the end of his life and he's got his servant there. And he's commissioning his servant to go back to his homeland to get a wife for his son Isaac. And he makes the servant swear an oath that he'll do exactly that. And the servant is nervous about you know, the responsibility he's being asked to carry out. And uh, so he'd had some questions and this was Abraham's response. Verse 40. And he said unto me, The Lord before whom I walk will send His angel with you and what? Prosper your way. The very first time the word prosper is used in the Bible, it's in connection with an angel's involvement. Now in, the, in Bible interpretation, theology, there's a theological law called the law of first mention. That the first time a word or a thought is introduced in the Bible has special significance to how that term or phrase should be thought of or used throughout, throughout the remaining time it might come up. Notice the law of first mention here. The very first time you see the word prosper in the Bible. Now I know he's not talking about financial prosperity, but prospering in God is not just about money. God wants to prosper you in every area of your life. How many of you know you could have a lot of money, but if you marry wrong, you poor, you really poor if you marry wrong. No, we could talk about this. Will angels get involved in helping you find the right mate? Absolutely. Yeah. And so Abraham said, the angel of the Lord will go before you and he'll prosper your way. And that, that Abraham's servant went and I mean, it just worked out. It was all supernaturally orchestrated how Rebecca was right there. So that angel's like, you need to get to the well, girl. Get to the well. When you get to the well, say this. Amen. Could an angel be in that unseen realm? But he's, he's, you know, if a demon could influence somebody to commit a murder or, you know, hate somebody or whatever, then an angel could be on God's side influence you to do, come on, girl, you got a divine appointment. We got to get you over to the well. Amen. I'm all about it. If the angel needs to herd me to get me out of the wrong place, that's what they're trying to do with Lot. you got to get out of here. This thing's going to implode. Get, right? So the angels are, we've seen involved getting people out. But now they're involved getting, getting, getting God's plan hooked up and right. Thank God for the angels that have been assigned to our life. Amen. Now, 
I don't have time to run you through this trail, but in Psalms it says that, uh, Psalm 103 verse 20, that the angels do His pleasure. Isn't that right? The angels do God's pleasure. Psalm 103 verse 20. Well, in Psalm 34, I believe it says that it is God's pleasure to prosper His servants. God delights, He has pleasure in prospering His servants. Are we His servants? No. We're higher than servants. We're sons and daughters. So if under the old covenant pleased God to prosper His servants, Israel, how much more would it be God's delight to prosper God's sons and daughters? Now put that angel scripture with it. Angels do God's pleasure. So if an angel could get Rebecca, help usher Rebecca to get her at the well for her divine appointment, couldn't an angel whisper all night long into the ear of that, uh, that hiring, that, that, that person you're doing an interview? You need to hire that one. You know that resume you read yesterday? That's the one. You blunder the interview and they walk out going, oh man, I'm never going to get that job. And they call you back. Right? Amen. Yeah, praise God. Dr. Jacobs talks about one of his missionary friends down South America. And they're on a mountain road coming around a curve. And as they were coming around the curve, the pastor's daughter's in the passenger seat. And the kind of momentum of that curve, the car slides off to the edge. The door flies open. She doesn't have a seatbelt on. And she flies out into the air. And then an unseen force pushes her back into the car and slams the door and the car's back on the road. <laughs> That's something, something. Yeah. I mean, all kinds of things can happen. Praise God. So God's pleasure is to prosper us and the angels do His pleasure. Amen. So, you know, you could just by faith release your angels to help you. I have to shut it down here, but uh, I, I think maybe I mentioned this last Wednesday about the Taco Bell angels. What is that? I'm going to tell you, the Taco Bell angels. Dr. Dufresne was pastoring in uh, Southern California and the church he leased to own a former Taco Bell headquarters and distribution warehouse and they had turned it into a church and he had a lease for a certain amount of time with the option to buy well during the time of the lease the value of the property like doubled and tripled in value at that time so the owner did not want Dr. Dufresne to be able to exercise his option to buy at the previously negotiated price so he was in no mood to blessing and at the end of it, he had to have, no bank would touch him, he had to have $500,000. I don't know if he needed that much, but anyway, he needed a whole lot of money by a certain date, and he had his lawyers in, trying to think, is there any loopholes or anything we can do to extend this out? To re- No, it's just ironclad. If you don't have the money, he's going to take the building, but you're going to lose all the improvements you put into it, and you're just going to be out. Well... He had preached a, uh, an event for another pastor, uh, a men's meeting, I think. And in the back of this men's meeting, he noticed a, a man in a jogging suit. You know, the, I don't, it's not as popular now, but those jumpsuits they had, <laughs> pants and top. And, uh, you know, whatever. And uh, the next day or so, he's in his office and the guy with the jumpsuit wants to talk to him. And he's, facing, he's in there with his lawyer trying to figure out what he's going to do because he's told the church, this is our building and he's believing God. And, uh, well, but before that, let me, let me back up just a moment. He's in his room praying, night or two before that, and two angels show up in his room. And he said, what, what are you here for, doctor did? He said, well, we've come to straighten out your finances. The doctor's like, thank God, I wish you would. We've come to straighten out your finances. And then they said, we need you to release us. I don't have time to preach on that. See, we have authority with angels. Those angels needed to hear him say, go and do it. So he said, go and do it. And they just went out the wall and disappeared. 
Well, then now this business guy's there in the jumpsuit, and he's across the desk from Dr. Dufresne, who's under all kinds of pressure. And the first words out of this guy's mouth are, you know, I don't even like you. I don't even know you, and I don't even like your preaching. Of course, doctor's in no mood, and he started to chime up, and the Lord said, hold your peace. Sometimes you do well just to hold your peace. He said, I don't even like you. I don't even know you. You're not my pastor. I don't even like your preaching. But two men have been in my room telling me to give you this money. Amen. And wrote him a check for $500,000. I don't know if that's what he is. Probably more than what he needs. I think it paid the building off. Hallelujah. And doctor called them the Taco Bell Angels because that was that, the name of that building. <laughs> Hallelujah. So see, angels will have a part in influencing people to help you. Praise God. Amen. I, I'm believing that in my life. <laughs> we have a guy here. We have a guy here. We call him Angel Man. The staff calls him Angel Man. And I don't know, how, how many years has this been going on now? Yeah, four, four or five years. It really, I don't know however long. It, it hadn't been right away, but pretty soon after our moving into this building, uh, we would, well, it, the way it started was there would be these blank white envelopes, no name, and all it said was tithe on the back, and they were stuffed with cash. We didn't know how, but they, were, they would show up on the stage carpet. And then we started seeing them uh, on the rug when you come in, like they were pushed through the door. And it's uncanny, church, how that extra money came just right on time. Oh, my God. Let's like praise God. And sometimes there's been as much as 2,000, 3,000. It hadn't been that much lately, but man... You know, an on-time 3000 bucks that really helps. Yeah, but see, we've been, we just called in our supply, the staff and I. We just thank God. God meets all our needs according to His riches and glory. And we just thank You that the angels are out there at work causing money to come, causing the tithes and the offerings to come in. Amen. And we finally did catch this guy. Right? And met him, and he doesn't attend here. He doesn't stay for the services. We tried to talk to him, and he's just not interested. He just brings money when we need it. <laughs> and we're, we're not out to get his money, but I mean, he just, that's just what he does. We just call him Angel Man. Praise God. Praise God. You know, we cash that money. My money spins good. Doesn't it, Miss Jenner? It just spins good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So see, angels, angels can get involved. Angels will do things. Amen. Let's stand up on our feet tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I want to ask my friend, would you come back out here? Now, I know we talked before.